The following podcast would be rated PG-13 if such a rating existed for podcasts, as it contains language that isn't exactly naughty, but is not exactly work-safe either, so throw those headphones on if you're at work. Alright, what am I doing here? All right, here we go. You and your crummy comic books, that's all you ever think about. They're comics, you ass! Tell me how comic books make you feel, Dave. Well, they don't make me feel too good. For a couple of times, you read a comic book, I chew up. The real question is this. Are comic books good, or are they not good? This comic book describes a sexual aberration so shocking that I couldn't mention even the scientific terms on television. I think there ought to be a law against them. Tonight I'm going to show you why. Back to Views from the Long Box. I am your host, Michael Bailey, and this is episode 41 of the show for June 4th. Well, it was supposed to be for June 4th, 2008, but now it's going to be for June 5th, 2008, because, well, my work schedule got kind of flipped around, and I'm one of those people that works very good on a schedule, and when you mess that up, I get all kind of like Rain Man when he can't watch Judge Wapner, so... Yeah, I'm about a day late on this. Uh, not a dollar short because, well, I, you know, don't really pay to do the show and I don't get paid, so I can't really lose any money. Uh, you know, it's it's been an interesting couple of weeks here at the Fortress of Baileytude anyways. I, I mentioned it on the blog a couple of weeks ago when I didn't put up the second part of the Keith Dallas interview, but... Uh, for about a week and a half there, I was probably sicker and more miserable than I have been in years. God, that sucked, man. The short version, because I know you really don't care, is that my sinuses became impacted with gunk resulting from my allergies, and I had to go through this long and drawn-out process to take care of that. The bright side is, I feel much better now, but for a while there, I was absolutely convinced I was going to die. Then again, I don't get really sick very often, so it makes me a bit dodgy about such things. Anyways, in that time period of being sick, I was doing a lot of reading, and you would think that with my upcoming trip to Metropolis, Illinois next week, that I would be all about some Superman, but surprisingly, that's, you know that isn't the case. I've been going through my run of Ultimate Spider-Man, which between the trades I've purchased and a huge over-50-issue run I bought off a buddy of mine recently, 
I pretty much have the whole series, you know, including annuals and things like Ultimate Six and stuff like that. You know what? In all honesty, I'm 86 issues into it, and I rather like it. I am 50-50 on Brian Michael Bendis, unlike my friend Ryan, who, as was illustrated a few episodes, hates the man writing. But overall, I think this is a very solid series, though the decompressed nature of the storytelling makes it... Uh, it's just... It goes by too fast. I, you know, I, I get to the end of the issue, and it's just like, uh, I'm done? I, I thought there would be more. I mean, it was good, but I wanted more. Still, anyway, good stuff, and if you want to invest in some trades, I'd say start picking up these, because they're a good, if not abbreviated, read. Another Marvel character has been on my mind lately as well, and that would be the Incredible Hulk. Next Friday, the Incredible Hulk hits theaters. Incredible Hulk is in the title of the movie. And I, for one, am rather excited. Actually, that doesn't even begin to describe how I'm feeling about this film, I mean, I liked Iron Man, but this is the one I've been waiting for this year. I mean, I, I'm looking forward to this one even more than I'm looking forward to Dark Knight. And every trailer I've seen on Dark Knight makes it look fan-freaking-tastic. And if all goes well, and I can find a theater in the area, which I kind of already have, the wife and I will be seeing The Incredible Hulk while in Metropolis, which is that's kind of strange when you think about it. I mean, I'm there for a Superman festival, and here I am planning to sneak off and check out the Hulk movie, even going so far as to pack an Incredible Hulk t-shirt to wear while going to the movie, because I am a complete dork. I I mean, it's like I'm cheating or something, which is odd, because we're talking about fictional characters. Fictional characters. Yeah, a little change. Silent Bob strikes back there for you. Then again, it's it's not really cheating when you consider that I have been a Hulk fan as long as I've been a Superman fan. I, I think I've mentioned this before, but I'm not one of those lucky few who have been reading comics since in the womb. I come from a movie TV background when it comes to superheroes, and in all honesty, the Bill Bixby, Lou Ferrigno Hulk series was as integral to my childhood as the Superman films or the 60s Batman series or any of the myriad of animated series I watched Endlessly. I loved The Incredible Hulk. Loved it so much that I dedicated not one, but two of the absolute worst episodes I have ever done for this show. So again, as I have done in the past, I implore you, if you haven't already, don't listen to those episodes. They are boring, overblown, and tedious. The only reason I don't strike them from the record is that I just don't do that sort of thing. I'm not going to go back and do a special edition on them or anything like that, because that's that's, that's just kind of silly. I mean, it's a podcast. It's, it's not like, you know, a major motion picture, which people really shouldn't go back and change either. I mean, even Francis Ford Coppola going back and redoing the music for The Outsiders kind of bugged me, because... To me, the score made that film, but that doesn't matter. This this is about comic books, not The Outsiders. So The Outsiders are a comic book, but not the same Outsiders as, you know, Pony Boy and all them. I had three older sisters growing up, so The Outsiders was like this 
thing that I had to watch over and over and over again to the point where I've absolutely convinced myself that I like this film. It's not like Little House on the Prairie, which they also forced me to watch, uh, which I can take or leave at this point. But yeah. anyways, let's get let's get back to the podcast. As I said before, I am really looking forward to The Incredible Hulk. Of course, I was looking forward to the first Hulk film in 2003 as well. Huh. 2003 was one of those monumental years for me. I had proposed to Rachel, the lovely wife, in late 2002, and we literally had a year to plan and execute our wedding. So most of that year was taken up with us booking a place to get married, getting all of the reception stuff together, ordering invitations, putting together a guest list, and all of the other insanity that goes along with getting hitched. Rachel and I had it easier than most, but there were still some times of stress. In my experience, being married, with all of its ups and downs, is much easier than actually getting married I don't know if the married listeners feel the same way, and if you haven't gotten married yet, (laughs) good luck. (laughs) Like I said, being husband and wife, not so bad. Getting to that point, Jesus Christ. Anyways, 2003 was also one of the big comic book movie years as well. Daredevil came out in February, which Rachel and I saw with a bunch of people from Titans at a sneak preview a few days before the official release date. We, we didn't plan it that way. All of us got the free passes from Titans and happened to show up together, which made for a fun evening, let me tell you. I even won a free Daredevil hat, which I can't wear because my head's too big, but uh, I got that for answering one of the trivia questions they had asked before the film. Uh, I got that one right. It was the only time I can think of that seeing the film School Ties came in handy, but, you know, you, you, you take what you can get. Then there was X2, X-Men United, and the much-maligned League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which I absolutely adore, while most of the people think it's the worst film ever. Yeah, there were some plot holes you could drive a semi through, but Venice isn't set up like that, but there were still a lot of fun moments in that movie. I like the film. Sue me. The comic book film I wanted to see more than any other that year, like this year, was Hulk. They showed the teaser trailer before Spider-Man the year before, which I thought was brilliant. And that thing had me jazzed from the word go. My hope at the time was that the hype and the merchandising for Hulk would follow the same track as Spider-Man, which started launching crap like action figures and such as early as February. I was hoping for the same blitz for the Hulk. What I got... Well, what I got was something a tad different, and in most cases, extremely disappointing. Sure, there was the usual release of junk with Hulk on it. Walmart carried a line of t-shirts, some of which I even bought. They were a bit stuffy and kind of ugly. I I don't like wearing them. They're very thick. You know, I like a t-shirt that's comfortable, but maybe that's just me. One of the biggest problems that I had with the shirts and the towels and lunch bags, etc., was the artwork they chose to plaster over the items was Well, it wasn't terrible. I mean, it looked like the Hulk and everything, but there was something about it that I just, I didn't, I didn't care for at all. It's it's, it's one of those ineffable things, you know? It's not that I'm a snob when it comes to how the Hulk should look. It's just there are some artists that I think uh, do a better job than others. Dale Keown, for example. Mike Diodato Jr. Gary Frank. John Byrne. Herb Trimpey. 
That's how you pronounce it, too. Trippy. That's kind of odd. Sal Buscema and, and Jack Kirby. God, I really dig the first few issues that Kirby did. But all in all, I am not too picky when it comes to artistic visions of the Hulk. The merchandising art in 2003 just left me kind of cold, which sucks when the art is plastered over everything. One of the high hopes I had in 2003 was for them to start releasing the television series on DVD. Seemed like a good idea to me. Universal was releasing the movie. Universal produced the television series. I mean, this isn't freaking rocket science. And what did we get? Well, Buena Vista Home Entertainment, you know, Disney, put out a few episodes of the 90s animated series that was on UPN or UPN as they called themselves in the stuff between the shows, and some bizarre attempt to be, to be hip that I think failed on all fronts. It had an interview with Peter David, so that's something, but God forbid Disney actually put the series out in a box set or something. But then again, they would probably have to pay Marvel some money, so yeah, that's not going to happen, is it? Anchor Bay put out a two-disc set that had The Incredible Hulk Returns and Trial of the Incredible Hulk, so that we could be continuously reminded how bad Marvel characters used to be treated as far as live action goes. The set also had a documentary titled Stand Tall, which detailed Lou's comeback as a bodybuilder. Someone even released a DVD of Death of the Incredible Hulk, which was, in all honesty, terrible. But the television series proper... The one that I really, really wanted to start coming out as season box sets? Well, there was a double feature release that had the pilot and Married, which was the first episode of the second season. Both had excellent commentary, I have to say, from series creator Kenneth Johnson. And for the price, it was a pretty good buy. And then they released The Incredible Hulk, the television series Ultimate Collection, which was a six-disc set that served as a kind of greatest hits of the series, and it had some of the better episodes. My main quibble with this set was the fact that the discs weren't labeled, so it was kind of a guessing game as to which episodes were on what disc. But as neat as that set was, it wasn't what I wanted, and that was just frustrating. Yeah, I sound whiny, but I couldn't have been the only one disappointed in this. In fact, I know I wasn't the only one disappointed in this, because I've talked to people, and they say the same things. Why weren't they putting out season box sets? I don't know. <sighs> the action figures for the movie were decent. They didn't get me all hot and bothered. Actually, action figures as a rule don't get me hot and bothered. But, but I think you get what I mean. The problem with this line was the same problem I had with the Superman Returns line of figures, and that is that all of them were just variations of the main character. Not that the 2003 movie had a villain that could be packaged and sold to kids, but still. But you did have the Hulk hands. If you've never been exposed to these things, they were oversized fists that could fit on a child's hands, and when you banged them together, you know, thing-ring-do-your-thing style... They would make all kinds of Hulk-like noises. They were the type of toy designed specifically to drive everyone around the child playing with them completely and utterly batshit insane. The video game that was released after the movie was extremely horrendous as well. 
it was one of those games where you were playing an all-powerful being and had to spend a few levels sneaking around as your weaker alter ego. You know, give me a time limit. Give me something sort of complicated to do. Don't sit there and try to convince me the matter I get, the stronger I get character I am playing would be taken out by some Hulk dogs and some soldiers with guns. Sure, it had some neat villains from the comics. I mean, Half-Life was in there. Good God. What the heck? But at the same time, what the hell? Ugh. The novelization of the film was written by Peter David. Yes, I bought it. I mean, it was a it was Pad writing the Hulk. This was before his short return to the title, so at that point, I was just taking what I could get. So what about the comic books? Well, they were kind of disappointing, too. I mean, with all of the trades and such that Marvel put out to hype both the X-Men and Spider-Man films, you would think that a good number of Hulk-related books and comics would have been published as well. DK Publishing put out an Ultimate Guide, which was old hat for the publisher at that time, and there was a Hulk Encyclopedia... My God, what a train wreck the Hulk Encyclopedia was. What I wanted, and what I was expecting, was a book with Marvel Handbook-style entries involving the Hulk, his supporting cast, and his villains. I don't think that was too much to ask. If memory serves, this is what the X-Men got with their encyclopedia, and the same with Spider-Man. Apparently, when it came to the Hulk, Marvel wanted to go into another direction and redefine what an encyclopedia is. Now, growing up, I was taught that an encyclopedia is a reference book with entries detailing the specifics of a certain subject. According to the Hulk Marvel Encyclopedia... An encyclopedia is a kitschy pulp culture history book written by a man who seemed to barely tolerate the subject that he was writing about, along with reprints of comics from various decades. Okay, from two decades. But, this book was written by a guy named Kit Kiefer and is one of the most biased books I have ever seen that was trying to pass itself off as something that should be relatively neutral. Kiefer's writing style is one of supreme snark, and while the history of the character in comics and beyond is given, it's not exactly an even-handed approach. Huge chunks of this character's history is ignored. As far as the comics go, Kiefer covered the 60s, glazed over the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and then goes into the then-current Bruce Jones run and makes it seem like the second coming. Bruce Jones's first issue is even reprinted, and they also reprint the fifth issue of The Ultimates, both of which have plugs for the trades you can find the comics in. They also reprinted Incredible Hulk number 1 from 1962, which I was surprised didn't have a, if you want to read more, read Essential Hulk Volume 1, but, you know, I, I guess the shilling only goes so far. There was a section on Hulk merchandise, on the different Hulks there have been, a huge chunk of the book devoted to the live-action television series, as well as a good bit on the upcoming movie. I guess it wouldn't have been as bad if Kit Kiefer didn't come off as a complete snob. 
I know I keep harping on this, but if you're going to call something an encyclopedia, it should be presented in some form as a reference book. Instead, they presented us with a biased history from a guy who seems to only like certain aspects of the Hulk and considers the rest of the material beneath him. This book was a ripoff. It's five years later, and I am still pissed about the entire situation. <sighs> Mike Smash. Okay, so what about the actual Incredible Hulk comic itself? As I previously mentioned, Bruce Jones was writing the book at the time the 2003 movie came out. Bruce Jones' run on the Hulk started off strong. Decompressed, but strong. It got kind of annoying towards the end, because each story arc seemed to consist of mysterious stuff happening, Bruce being Bruce for most of the story, and then the Hulk coming out at the end to do... something. I'm not bashing Bruce Jones here, because some of it was rather enjoyable. The arc that hit during the movie was called Hide in Plain Sight, which ran through Incredible Hulk numbers 55 through 59. The villain of the piece was the Absorbing Man, who was sort of the villain from the movie. Kind of. Sort of. Issue 55 was promoted as a jumping-on point, complete with the 25-cent price tag that a lot of books were doing around that time. Batman did one, Superman did one, those were both 10-cent adventures. Uh, Batman had a 12-cent adventure, and I believe Fantastic Four had a 9-cent adventure. But I guess the Hulk was you know, so big that he needed a 25-cent adventure. And overall, the story was pretty mediocre. Uh, apparently the Absorbing Man gained the ability to take over people's minds, which is just as exciting as it sounds. I seem to remember around this time that Joe Quesada said that they weren't putting the Absorbing Man into the comics because of the movie, but come on. That's kind of obvious. If it's true, that is. Uh, I could be misremembering what happened. Uh, wouldn't be the first time, either. You know... Between the comics and the encyclopedia and the action figures and the itchy t-shirts, all in all, it was a kind of disappointing state of affairs, made worse by the fact that the movie was not entirely to my liking. I think Shag and I went through this in our movie episode, but I have mixed feelings on how the 2003 film went down. Some of it was good. Some of it left me very, very cold. This time out, in 2008, five years later, seems a bit different. While there was no big Super Bowl ad this year like there was in 2003, and it took forever to get a trailer out, all signs point to awesome for The Incredible Hulk. After watching the first trailer, the one overall impression I was left with was, we swear to God, it's not like the last movie. Look, look, the Hulk is going to fight something, and it won't be just a giant pile of rocks we promise the entire tone of the film is different from the last one too with a healthy mix it seems of the television series and the comics i also get the feeling that the fact that marvel is producing these new films themselves uh that they have more of a stake in it being successful so the advertising has become been coming pretty hard for the last month or so for this movie i mean as soon as iron man was successful the hulk ad seemed to just Hulk ad smash, or something stupid like that. The merchandising and such is a little better this time out, too. The artwork is better. Uh, there's still something kind of off about it, but it's better than the last time. 
The Hulk hands are back, but that was kind of inevitable. The action figures are also still mostly Hulk with an abomination thrown in there for good measure, but they also have like those little tiny figures that Star Wars and Marvel are doing. They have like more of a selection. You can get an abomination in the Hulk, and you can get Hulkbusters in the Hulk. And they even have one, if I'm correct... No, that's the Iron Man one. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, I'm leaving that in because that's a good line of babble. Uh, if you're interested, they have one that has like a bunch of the different armors for Iron Man, which I thought was kind of cool. But anyways, overall, the toys that they are producing this time are superior than the last film. Uh, Tuesday of this week, on the 2nd, they released seasons 3 and 4 of the television series, which, you know, you would think, given you know my past bitching about this that I would be like, yeah, it's great, but kind of, you know, you know, three and four seems kind of overkill, but you know, any port in a storm. I mean, personally, I would have released season four when the DVD for the new film comes out a few months from now, but that's just me. I, I think they're trying to strike while the iron is hot, and they are priced to move. I was in Walmart the other night and saw that the first two seasons are going for 20 bucks a piece, which is a pretty good price. And three or four are only going for 30 So hopefully I will be able to pick uh, three and four over the next few weeks since they're that cheap. Marvel is actually putting out some nice trades and such as well. A few weeks back, there was Giant-Sized Hulk, written by one of my all-time favorite comic book writers, Roger Stern. Last week, there was King-Sized Hulk number one, which had some neat reprints, and one of the stories focused on the Abomination, so there's some good synergy going on there. The current Hulk series has been enjoyable, and there have been some, there's been some good debate at the comic shop over who the Red Hulk is. And that, you know, comic companies take heed. If you're, if people are going to talk about your books, you want them to be de- debating the story and what's going on and the latest mysteries instead of how much it sucks. I mean, personally, I think it's General Ross as the Red Hulk, but again, that could just be me. Uh, there's the Incredible Hulk Omnibus, which is 100 bucks in store, but you can find online for about 65 bucks, sometimes cheaper. Uh, this week they released Hulk vs. the Marvel Universe, which reprints a bunch of bust-ups between the Hulk and, well, the Marvel Universe. A week or so back, they released the first volume of Hulk Visionaries John Byrne, though I, I have some I have some serious issues with that trade. You know, if they had released it simply as a Hulk trade that collected Byrne's very brief run on the original book, that would have been one thing. However, as much as I liked Byrne's first run on the Hulk, I wouldn't call it visionary. Action-packed? Yes. Interesting? Sure. Visionary? Not so much. Uh, I just read the trade, and nothing in there strikes me as something that that was kept around afterwards. My other problem, which I think is a little more practical, is that if this is Volume 1, then there might be a Volume 2. And if there's a Volume 2, it might collect Byrne's second run on the Hulk, which was awful which starts with an A, which stands for ass. <sighs> oh, well, at least they're doing something. In fact, Marvel has an essential reading list as far as Hulk trades go on their website. For once, I can't really find any fault with their choices, which is amazing, because usually when a company chooses its own essential list, 
uh, in an attempt to get you to buy their product. I have problems all over the place. But three of these books are by Peter David, so that's you know that's that's okay in my book. Oh, man, I'm looking forward to this movie. God, if it sucks, I am going to be so mad. Ah, uh, but I don't think so. Looks pretty good. Good director, good cast. I even don't mind Liv Tyler, which surprises the hell out of me. <sighs> and I think that wraps it up for this week. As always, you can email me at michael at viewsfromthelongbox.com. I am always interested in feedback on the show and to hear your thoughts and anecdotes on what I discuss. I mean, what did you think of the 2003 Hulk film? What did you think of the DVDs, action figures, and such that came out during that time? What do you think of the stuff that's coming out now? Go ahead and write in. Let me know. And as always, if you don't want it to be read on the air, just indicate that in the email. Next week, well, next week I don't know what I have planned. Um, Next Wednesday, I head out of town on my trip to Metropolis, which I will, of course, chronicle in one form or another. I wanted to have something, because next week marks the show's one-year anniversary, you know, which is cool. I'm really surprised I made it that long. Uh, in fact, I'm usually surprised that I can make it from week to week. Uh, I'm trying to get together with Shag uh, this week to record something. We'll see how that goes, as he has not been the irredeemable Shag, but the elusive Shag last month. I We didn't record anything. We didn't even record our Unique Geek Previews podcast, because he was so damn busy. I mean, sure, he has time to record with his stepson, but I'd argue uh, that he does that because he feels more secure, you know, debating an eight-year-old than me, but, you know. There's probably less cussing, too. At least I would hope so. I don't think Shag's the type of guy that would have a kid that swears like a sailor. But you never know. Uh, Down the line, I'm going to be getting together with Brad Douglas, webmaster of the Spider-Man Crawl Space, host of the Spider-Man Crawl Space podcast, previous guest on this show, and a Hulk fan, and possibly a few other people to do kind of a post-game on the Incredible Hulk film, so that should be fun. I also have an Ultimate Spider-Man episode of mine, since I've been going through those books like a bat out of hell lately. All of this and a Metropolis Celebration 2008 wrap-up to boot, so it should be a full couple of weeks. Until next we meet, you can always check out the site for the show at www.viewsfromthelongbox.com. There you can find the RSS feed, the iTunes link, and a link to the old site in case you want to listen to some of the back episodes that aren't the previous Hulk episodes, as I have been very lazy, uh, you know, getting that full episode list that worked out. about that. I have been very remiss in my duties, but I do also have a Superman blog at www.fortressofbailytoon.com. I just posted a review of the latest issue of Action Comics, plus a few other things, so check that out when you get a chance. Uh, I also always like to point out that Shag, my sometimes co-pilot, also has a blog that is called Once Upon a Geek, located at onceuponageek.com. Views from the Long Box is presented by Fortress of Bailey 2 Productions in association with MediaGauntlet.com. Thanks a lot, everybody. See you next week. a little bit hazy